In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Welcome to In the Clouds podcast. This is Bobby Tishy along with Cole Fisher. We've got a couple of special guests joining us today um, from a, a couple, or I'm sorry, a couple of folks from a Lev customer, um, Chad Creelman and Todd Magaju from Wex. And Wex has been a Lev customer for just over two years now, and we're really excited to have them join us today to talk through um, their experience with Salesforce Marketing Cloud, um, how they've been able to utilize it um, to accomplish the business goals and objectives that um, their team has set forth for them, um, and really dive into some of those uh, key points of what they like about Salesforce Marketing Cloud, how it's worked for them, um, and how um, partnering with Lev throughout that time um, has helped them and helped achieve those different business goals and objectives um, that we'll talk through. Um, so Chad, Tom, if you guys don't mind, um, just start off with a, a quick introduction of yourself. Chad, if you wouldn't mind going first. Yeah, sure. Uh, good morning or good afternoon. Uh, so yeah, Chad Creelman, I've been uh, at WAX for about eight years now. Um, originally joined WAX in an IT function, but uh, many years ago I switched to marketing analytics. And so I manage our marketing analytics department, supporting all things data related to uh, acquisition, engagement, product, and even sales. And so uh, love what I do and uh, thrilled to be here talking to you guys today. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. It's great to be here today. So thank, thanks a lot for having us. I head up um, what we call the Lifecycle Marketing Team for Wexfleet. My team builds and executes campaigns that both drive new customer acquisition as well as customer engagement, adoption, loyalty, cross-sell. Basically, anytime that we engage a customer or prospect across the lifecycle, my team is building and executing the campaigns that execute. And I think it's important to note that Tom and I obviously work super closely together, right? So my team is, is kind of the front end of the, of the flow, if you will, helping identify his populations and his team is executing on all uh, our, uh, you know, great marketing ideas. So. Now, is that a good thing? Do you enjoy working together? Or Tom, do you see really kind of can't stand Chad? <laughs> no, we love working together. And I'll jump in and say that, Chad, before you can yeah. say something else. Um, but no, we even, um, we even adopted um, the uh, trail, a couple of trailblazer characters to represent us in our internal company communication. <laughs> of course, yeah. um, if you could see me, you'd know uh, the reason why I picked the bear as mine. <laughs> Ch- Chad, who are you? I'm that little astro character. So, no, I'm still I'm six one, so I'm not a little guy, but uh, yeah, it works out well for us. So, I love how you threw that in there. Of uh, I picked astro, but I'm not small. I'm six <laughs> No, I just want to make sure. You know, <laughs> we're on, we're on Zoom. I can I can barely tell. So, I, you know. <laughs> can you zoom in on your camera? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. great. Well, Thanks again yeah. for joining us. Cole, go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, why don't you guys kind of kick us off with a little bit of uh, kind of uh, filling us in on what WEX does precisely and what specifically your guys' roles uh, beyond the, the, the introductory uh, phase is. So 
um, specific to WEX. So tell us a little more about WEX and, and life at WEX. Sure, sure. Uh, I think the easiest way to describe WEX is that we're a publicly traded global payments company or a fintech company with a focus on health, travel, corporate payments, and fleets. Fleets being about 60% of, of, of the business. Um, and that's the division that Chad and I are from, uh, is the global fleet division. And you know, fleets meaning uh, businesses that uh, have commercial vehicles, that would be our client base. So ultimately, um, you know, we, we enable businesses to purchase fuel and um, service and other fleet-related items. And we not only have our own um, credit card, but we also uh, manage and market the credit cards of most every major brand that you can think of. Um, so if you're a, a business fleet and you have a credit commercial credit card to fuel your vehicles, there's a high likelihood that you're working with us. Yeah, that's pretty good, Tom. I don't think I have anything to add there. Obviously, recently, you know, we've continued to diversify into mobile apps and to, you know, an e-commerce platform called Edge. And so obviously, you know, uh, cross-selling everything we do into our customer base, um, moving beyond fuel. But that was a pretty amazing uh, summary of what our, our, our line of business does. And as it starts to relate to Salesforce, and we think about this kind of migration and project you guys have gone through the last couple of years. Um, you migrated to Marketing Cloud a little over two years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about what you migrated from, really what your end goal was in migrating to Marketing Cloud and what other Salesforce products you have as part of your overall tech stack? Yeah, sure. So I'll start, Tom. Um, you know, we were originally on a rather bespoke product, um, you know, that was built for us to help us manage you know, we're a B2B business, right? And so the big thing for us is, you know, out of the 26 million businesses out there, which ones do we would resonate with a fleet card offering, right? And, um, you know, believe it or not, you know, on the typical list where you go out and you, you hunt for prospects, you know, number of vehicles is not something that's readily available. And so, you know, we would, we would mine, we, we built a platform, a customer data platform to, to mine all of the various businesses, to model them, to figure out, you know, who would likely respond really well to one of our products. We would build lists and then push them out into different tools. And Tom can talk about those. But one of the reasons why we chose, you know, Marketing Cloud is that that ecosystem had everything in one place, right? So it, it you know, unified our customer with, you know, the Salesforce subscriber key across all the different ways that we want to engage with our customers. And what we really value about Salesforce, and, you know, it's a, it's a term that, you know, you'll hear Mark Benioff use over. So obviously I'm drinking the Kool-Aid when I go to Dreamforce and whatnot, but <laughs> the notion of future proofing, right? I mean, to, to engage with a customer like or a product like Salesforce, they're thinking two steps ahead. And as we watch, you know, the digital marketing landscape constantly evolve with regulations and new technologies and what you can do and what you can't do. You know, we, quite frankly, are sleeping really well at night knowing that we're partnered with the group that's investing the most and actually you might have to fact check that, but in R and D and to take our products and the platforms to the next level so that when, you know, we're thinking about where we want to be in five years, we know that our MarTech platform will be there with us. And that that's a really amazing thing for us. And one of the, the key reasons why, we wanted to move to marketing cloud in addition to, you know, scaling and, and growing um, what we do. So, yeah. 
I think that's a really great description, Chad. And I'll say just as a marketer, you know, one of the things that you, you know, really want to be able to do is be able to move at the speed of thought. As your ideas come uh, come into your brain, how quickly can you then move that into execution? And speed to market, um, ability to scale, all of these things are things that we think about and that we struggled with um, before you know, moving into uh, marketing cloud, we used a kind of a, a name brand email platform. Um, we had a bunch of different tools that were not connected. So there's no way to deliver a connected customer experience if your tools aren't connected, if your data isn't connected, and if uh, they aren't supporting each other and kind of curating that customer experience. And that was that was obviously a key goal of ours was to deliver that seamless customer experience um, so that they're always, um, you know, kind of have in a conversation with us, no matter what stage of the, of the life cycle they're in. Uh, but on top of that, we have, we have the uh, interesting puzzle of uh, working with, you know, representing not only our own brand, but, you know, numerous other brands, dozens of other brands that are all competing against each other. As we look to be able to uh, kind of elevate that customer experience, we need to be able to do that in dimension. Um, you know, every every campaign that we think of, you know, we think of it in uh, a Rubik's cube versus a matrix. Yeah, I really like that. And, and um, <clears throat> one thing that I think both of you guys are touching on at different uh, dynamic of is the the concept of of what it means to be in partnership. So, Chad, you mentioned that you you elected Salesforce to partner as a technology, and uh, you know the, the R and D that grows into that. And, um, and and Tom, you mentioned that like all these brands and this really unique relationship that you have to the brands themselves, even though they're all in competition. Um, it, it seems you guys have a, a lot of dimensions of on your perspective of what it means to be in partnership. So from that perspective, um, how were you evaluating, you know, marketing cloud, the process, obviously with all the technologies and things you guys have built, what you've had to put into this in the past, you probably had a pretty realistic expectation of what it's like having a, <clears throat> a technology partner during implementation, during migration, everything that's going to be set up. So how were you guys, you know, defining what you look for in a partner, how you're going to navigate that relationship and what that's going to look like. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, Tom, I'll take a crack at this one. I mean, we, it's hard to say, I mean, you want to work with somebody who you enjoy working with that you trust and it's going to help you deliver on your vision. I mean, speaking to you guys specifically lab, I mean, you, you know, Cole, you, you guys and Bobby weren't obviously part of our implementation team early on. Salesforce recommended you to us um, as a as a you know one of the best of, of what marketing cloud does, um, and and to be honest, you earned our trust by first. I don't know if you want to share this on your own podcast, but you did not deliver the vision for what we wanted in the first round. We asked you guys to come in and look at our our what we think is a really complex problem, and we had some serious stumbling stumbling blocks out of the gate. And what was really amazing about um, why we've continued to have this really great relationship with Lev is the way you guys responded, went back to the drawing boards, asked more questions and dug in even deeper. 
and ended up coming up with a solution that we did implement um, and it's been proven to be very successful. But it was, you know, much like any relationship you build in life, it all comes down uh, to trust. You know, everybody looks great on paper, you know, on your profile, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, once you're, once you're in the thick of it, um, how, do, how does your partner in whatever you're doing respond to your needs to listen, to think, and to be, you know, mindful of, of achieving the same goals. And so that's, I mean, I think that's more important than just picking the right partners is actually being able to execute on our vision together. And so that's a, definitely a success story. And I'm sure one of the reasons why we're, we're chatting with you guys today, you know, we've been super happy with the way things have gone. So. Yeah, I would, I would add to that, you know, um, you know, I described some of our challenges as uh, having dimension uh, like a Rubik's cube. You need to really think um, like an architect um, on every puzzle that we try to solve. And you know, we we work with a lot of different partners and in a lot of different areas of our business. And you know, uh, we we put a lot of strain on those businesses because of of this challenge of the Rubik's cube of the complexity that we have. And um, what what I what I really appreciate about Lev is um, kind of the uh, a steady and pragmatic approach to making sure uh, that they really get to the bottom of kind of what our goals are and what our challenges are and become um, you know establish a, a very deep level of domain knowledge very quickly and as such um, they were able to guide us in ways that. Um, uh, were very helpful to us and ended up setting us up for success down the road. Um, and it, and it might not have been, um, so easy for, for just to any, anybody to step in and do that. I think Lev was exceptional in kind of uncovering our needs and, and really figuring out how to build a roadmap for us. Yeah, that's really helpful to hear. And, and one thing I'll add, like, and I guess that, you know, this, this probably speaks to the, um, you know, natural conversation and the fact that we're definitely not paying you guys off is I love the honesty that you're like round one wasn't real. Was it super easy? Like, a lot of complexity <laughs> to learn about. There's a lot of, you know, going back to the early. And so anybody that tells you like in a partnership that, you know, it's going to be all uh, rainbows and fairy dust is, you know, probably yeah. not being completely uh, forthright with you. So no, I love that feedback. So thank you. And just piggybacking off of that, I kind of equate it a little bit in terms of, of building a house. You know, you go through the process of designing it. And then one of the things that you'll often hear from architects or designers is, um, you know, when you're going, putting your house out to bid, right? Similar to what you would do if you were implementing marketing cloud. Um, not to say that everybody's equal, but everyone that you're probably considering has built a house before or has implemented Salesforce marketing cloud before, but who, who do you want to spend that much time with over the course of the next year or two or however long, you know, you're going right. It's, it's really a a trust scenario. And I think what what was really cool about that is you guys obviously trusted us enough to say, you know, let's give them another shot because they've identified where they may have fell flat or where they didn't do enough discovery and then let them come back in. So I think, I think that's really cool and something a lot of folks should consider um, as they're going through the, the partner evaluation process. We're interrupting this episode of In the Clouds to let you know that registration for Ultraviolet is officially open. Ultraviolet is Lev's first ever conference for digital marketers. Join us virtually on April 6th and 7th for more than 30 sessions of content, combining marketing strategy with top-notch technical skills and keynote speakers you won't want to miss. 
you will leave empowered to put your marketing plans into action. Register today at ultravioletconference.com. Going back to the work you're doing using Salesforce and the unique business model that you guys had mentioned earlier, one thing we wanted to focus on today was around brand scalability um, and how you've been able to have a huge improvement in the way you support your brands, especially since you guys work with so many of them. Can you talk a little bit about what this looks like for you and how the way you support these multiple brands has changed? Yeah, Chad, I would encourage you to start from the kind of the security or the yeah, architecture sure. side, and then I'll talk about how we execute campaigns. No, that makes sense. Um, without going too deep either, but I think it's important to note that, you know, obviously in marketing, we support, uh, we're the upstream of a really robust, mature and fantastic sales organization, right? That's nationwide, you know, made up of our own brand uh, and also all of our strategic partner brands. And so when we think about platforms like Salesforce, where we don't want to have 50 different instances of it for each brand because we lose scalability and we lose, um, you know, our ability to, you know, reuse digital assets um, and things like that. We had to come up with a really, really creative ways to bifurcate the data to make sure that, you know, leads that are being, you know, brought in not through marketing, but through sales, don't just get put directly into the marketing engine, right? So that they're not, if they're, if they're owned by a brand, that they continue to be worked by that brand and do not become part of the larger marketing pool. Um, so when we think about contact, you know, just at a very simple level, you know, we start with a, a basically a parent contact that can be marketed to. Um, and then we think about, you know, building contacts that are specific to the brands once they're, they're engaged with. And so that, uh, you know, has, has really worked for us to make sure that, you know, again, sales organization can't see up into other people's contacts and other people's um, opportunities. Um, and then we've, we've managed um, our data flow with some really great, you know, uh, kind of Boolean indicators that you guys actually advise us on, you know, in terms of should we sync it from Salesforce into Marketing Cloud? And simple yes or no, which when we programmatically influence, you know, how that, that Boolean is, is set, you know, we're able to keep our contacts within, you know, uh, the right range because we don't need to sync over those that, you know, are not marketable and things like that. So, you know, a lot of thought went into, how we set up contact, how we set up security, again, to make sure that that integrity of the opportunity stays with um, the brand that we're, we're representing for that opportunity. It's, um, it's, and it's worked really, really well. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And all the great work that um, was done to, um, you know, build that data model then enabled us to leverage personalization to scale. And, you know, uh, one, one really great piece of advice that we got at the beginning of our, of our journey, pun intended, is that, um, is that journeys actually are like, a, it's a piece of software, it's like an app. And um, so, you know, you're, you're managing a live piece of software, every journey that you create becomes a live piece of software um, that, you know, 
then needs to be managed over time. Um, so when, you, when you're looking at potentially, you know, building uh, or curating customer experiences for, you know, multiple dozens of brands, um, you know, to, to, to build unique uh, journey sets for, for each brand would be un unmanageable, unscalable. Um, so, uh, you know, we learned very early on, um, you know, that, that our route would need to be a deep personalization and, um, and especially the use of content blocks to be able to, um, you know, deliver unique experiences for each brand, but within a single framework. Um, and that made a huge difference for us. Uh, um, and, you know, uh, if you think about it, each one of these brands, you know, if at a very high level, uh, a gas station is is a gas station, right? You know, they have they have fuel pumps and they have stores and you can go inside and buy lottery tickets and, and food, right? But each one of these brands, um, you know, as you as you dig a little bit deeper, puts in an enormous amount of effort into differentiation and into creating their own culture, both in you know, within their employees, but also within their customer base too. I mean, for anybody that's in, you know, in a Wawa region, you know, is very familiar with the term gotta have a Wawa and and people take pictures of themselves and post in social media, you know, them at Wawa stations that, you know, they're so beloved. And a lot of these different brands are deeply beloved. And so how how do you you know, how do you curate and, and deliver their unique and differentiated customer experiences at scale? And it really did require us to really um, start off um, right away with um, kind of having a really good um, personalization strategy, uh, leveraging content blocks, um, and, um, and, you know, really thinking about um, how we build one to many, but allow all the if then uh, statements within our journeys to to be able to deliver unique experiences for each brand. You know, another really great piece of advice that we got too was not to make massive journeys. Um, I thought this was a really good lev recommendation too, is to really think it in terms of microservices. That each each journey is a component of little journeys. You know, each each experience that you want to create can be a component of little journeys, and that enables you to be able to uh, kind of make edits and changes without kind of having to. Uh, unravel yourself um, in kind of a, a really big a piece of software, if you will. Yeah, I like that. And, and we've mentioned this before. In fact, we actually uh, had a, a segment on a podcast of like some of the nightmares in Journey Builder and where we've seen just end-to-end -end life cycles. And, uh, and it sounded like you guys got a handle on that really early. And so that's, that's great to hear. So to your point about the recommendation from Lev and really focusing on more micro journeys rather than having one large, you know, customer lifecycle journey and partnering with all the companies and brands that you do, how have you been able to manage these subscribers and more specifically the journeys? Chad, do you want to take the subscriber piece and, and I'm happy to. Yeah. To I mean, the, the, subscri piece. the subscriber piece is pretty, I mean, uh, it's pretty easy, right? So we're using, you know, uh, both automation studio audience studio um we're writing sql so we you know we partner with the channel marketing team uh, ahead of time to think about you know obviously the segment that we want to 
enter into the journey. And for the most part, you know, once we've created the data extension with the right um, attributes tied to our subscriber keys, right? So what is the partner? What is the product? What is the time frame? What is, you know, their other firmographic information, you know, those data extensions uh, get populated with, you know, regularity um, rather automatically. And then obviously just feed into, it can be plugged into the journeys that Tom's going to dive into. Yeah. So that from a journey strategy, I think, you know, one of the key things that we looked at do is to identify key inflection points and identify what behavior we want to drive at those inflection points and then wrap a journey around it and then connect, you know, one journey to another. Um, and so, you know, it, it may be something like, um, you know, once somebody's got a, a, a credit card in hand, um, you know, the next goal is to activate them, to, to get them actually using the credit card. So what types of experiences can we deliver um, to, to get them over that hump? And then once they've activated, then, then we're on to another s series of journeys. So by looking at kind of each, each kind of minute behavior that we want to drive along the way or each inflection point, and then building journeys around them helps us kind of maintain um, and test too. Because we do a ton of A/B testing in our in our work as well um, to continue drive continuous improvement. And so, when you're testing and driving continuous improvement on a small object versus kind of a longer object, um, you know, it's it's a lot easier to to manage and 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 um, and update. And certainly to measure too, right? I mean, I, yeah. right? I think the the results. I think you're you can pin them to the action a little, you know pretty easily so right. which is great so, so it starts at the, the tippy yeah. top of the sales funnel um and you know each each you know um step along the way um we have journeys to drive you know nurture we have journeys to drive um um uh, you know uh, the application process journeys to drive adoption uh, of our different um products and services. And so each step of the way, uh, you know, we're thinking about what data do we have on, on those subscribers? Um, how can we leverage that data? And for each brand, kind of how do we bring in, how do we leverage how do we bring in um, kind of what's unique to that brand to differentiate that experience for that brand, typically through, again, through content blocks, um, but also they might, you know, one brand might uh, peel off one way in a journey and another brand might peel off in a different direction in a journey. And then they kind of group back up um, when, when the desired behavior is achieved. So when it comes to, you talked about the inflection points and the journeys that connect kind of inflection point to inflection point um, and, and how you're honing in on customer data specifically, when it comes to personalization, uh, what's that look like? What's been the, the importance of that and the, the focus of personalization? And as well, how do you scale that from brand to brand across your entire network? What does that look like? Sure. I, I would say that, um, you know, we have a very much a crawl, walk, run approach <laughs> To how we how we get into um, personalization. So at first, it was just you know how do we um, show different colors and logos and pictures. Um, so that's kind of crawl personalization. Then walk was uh, bringing in content blocks that allowed us to have kind of the if then statements of you know do they 
do they want us to have that paragraph about you know the the about us uh, section and or highlighting a special promotion at their stations or uh, something else that kind of can come in that's unique unique to them. Um, and then the run for us was the actual if-then statements in the journey. Um, some brands wanted to have more frequency of touch with their prospects and customers, while others, you know, don't. Um, but how do, you, how do you do that within the same architecture um, so that, so that um, you know, ultimately you're not, again, building all these different unique journey sets for each brand? Um, so that's really... That was really kind of our crawl, walk, run approach was first start really simple and just, you know, make sure that their brand is reflected visually and and in language. And then the next step was really bringing in components of the brand through content blocks. And then the third, again, was um, kind of adding in unique experiences for each brand within a journey. Pivoting a little bit to how you guys manage Salesforce Marketing Cloud internally, it obviously seems like you guys are very hands-on, um, but curious what your overall Salesforce Marketing Cloud team looks like internally and then what your team looks like at Lev or other agencies that you might work with to support the overall platform. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the cheeky answer is it's everybody. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> right, Salesforce Marketing Cloud is is pervasive into uh, arguably what everybody in the marketing department does, you know, whether they're writing code or just, you know, looking at the results to drive a strategy. Um, you know, we've got core people, uh, you know, my team specifically, you know, I've got a, a woman named Sue. She's like our, our data mastermind of all the data extensions and she's been running with that, right? And, then, you know, on, on Tom's team, he's got, you know, these marketing engineers, really. I mean, I, Tom loves talking. Uh, I love when he, I hear him talk about how marketing is more engineering these days than anything. So, is you know, great technical minds. Um, again, writing AM script, writing code, and, and building these really complex digital assets. And so, you know, it does touch everybody. We've, you know, I don't know how how many people specifically we have that are, you know, maybe you do, Tom, on your team, but a handful. And then I think that are, you know, specifically building these really complex journeys every day. Um, and then yeah. on your side, I mean, um, I, I, you know, obviously we're, we're only partnered with Lev for what it's worth. In fact, I'd like to, you know, Lev's reach is, is branching out into other lines of business as well. And, and the, you know, Eric uh, Gustafson and Don Cliff, I want to use them right. by name because they've become family and, and friends to yeah. us and Chantel. And we've, we um, really, it's a small, but incredibly mighty team. I mean, what Jeremy joined as, uh, as Eric had his, his baby recently, but you know, what these, what these guys can do um, is really incredible. And so we've been able to achieve our goals with, you know, with a pretty lean um, but mean team. So That's awesome. Well, we obviously yeah. appreciate the business and kind words. Uh, just to reiterate what Cole said earlier, uh, these guys are not getting paid for this podcast. <laughs> uh, but, uh, we definitely, definitely appreciate the kind words. So sure. thank you. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate you guys being on the podcast today. Um, as you might know, in every episode at the end, we move to a completely unrelated, which has nothing to do with anything. And this is basically um, what Cole and I is just uh, off the cuff conversations are. So today we had, if you could see one band or artist live, um, current or in the past, so historically it could be anybody, um, who would it be? 
So Chad, I'll let you start. Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, you know, without, without giving some mind blowing answer, I, I, I got to go with Pearl Jam. I mean, I, you know, I just a little, Eddie Vedder, from what I can tell, I've never seen him, puts his heart into his music. And I spent countless hours playing air guitar to that alive um, <laughs> guitar solo all through high school. And so I feel like I would lose my mind and just melt in place if I got the opportunity to, uh, to see those guys perform live so did you ever see them perform live i did not no i you know it's funny i I never was a big concert goer i just i don't know i think part of, part of me is just it's i love music and I, I it's always on in my house um but they're just a pain in the ass can i say that i mean they're like <laughs> yeah. to, see, to see somebody like pearl jam would be you know for us we have to go to like gillette stadium and i don't know i have no patience for sitting in a, a traffic queue for an hour and a half to get a parking spot and you know so no i i mean i love live music um but i've been mostly enjoying up here in maine like the little ll being concerts in the park where I, you know, my kids and I can go and, um, and just relax and they don't have to deal with all the shenanigans. So that's, that's the long and short of it. But So quick sidebar. So you're yeah. obviously in the Boston area. Are you a Patriots fan? I'm not. No, I'm not. It's I, uh, when I, I moved to California after college and I became an, a, a very passionate Chargers fan because the first place where we lived was right near Qualcomm stadium. And oh, okay being in a different AFC division, but um, you spend that long hating Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. That, like, <laughs> I, I came back and all my friends, like friends here, I, like I wanted, I have, I own a Patriots hat. I own a Patriots shirt, but it feels weird putting it back on. So I don't know. I'm a man without a team right now, honestly, with Chargers moved to LA and um, I'm trying, I'm trying hard to get into the, the past, but I can't say I'm a huge fan yet. So we'll see. Awesome. Tom, how about yeah. you? Yeah, I would say I'm a Tom Brady fan, although it's hard to get used to the oh, Buccaneers. I, we, I don't we know, man. Whole, we should have a whole new podcast <laughs> just about He's a goat. Tom. He's the best. <laughs> I'll defend him till the day I die. Um, and I would say, Cole's Chad, I'm the opposite. A, Cole's having a coronary right now because he lives and dies by Peyton Manning. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stick out on a Tom Brady podcast, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I would say from a music standpoint, I'm the opposite, Chad. I I go to live music. I probably go to about 20 concerts a year. Um, I just love it, and I have a, a an 18 year old son now, so I've got a partner in crime, which is um, a blast. Um, and I actually did see Eddie Vedder, and it was funny. Um, the audience, for some reason, there was a kid in the audience that was throwing quarters at Eddie Vedder and he literally stopped in the middle of the concert and <laughs> threatened to leave the people didn't start throwing quarters it was just kind of a really funky moment but he it was incredible Chad like you should definitely go if you can um, I, I would go to um, I bought tickets actually on hope um, that this band is is actually going to be able to make it in July and and things aren't going to be shut down um, it's a band called Blackberry Smoke and um, you should check them out. You know, they're kind of a, a mix between, say, Tom Betty, Tom Petty, and Southern Fried Rock. Um, it's such a really interesting band. I absolutely love them. That sounds cool. Yeah. Something like that. I'm looking at them right now. The front man kind of has a Tom Petty vibe to him. Yeah. It's, it's uh, really good stuff. Really good stuff. 
Does that mean he has long blonde hair and wears a hat? Because that's when I think of Tom Petty. That's what he's I got long black hair or brown hair. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. Cole, how about you? Um, you know, I like it'd be one thing if because it's a loaded question and being historically like anything. So like it, I, I'm trying to avoid the, the cliche like you know saying Beatles or you know everybody would want to see like Led Zeppelin or, or Backstreet Boys live, right? Am I right? You know. <laughs> um, I think I don't know. I've always had a weird thing for doo-wop. It'd be something to see like Dion and the Belmonts live. But I think if I had saw like, I guess I would go cliche with it. Just if I saw one single most like, um, you know politically and musically influential figure i'd probably want to see bob marley live Oof, um, yeah. yeah i would love to see that too that would yeah. that would be that would be wild plus he was just you know such like a, uh you know a high energy little yeah. guy I, I would love to have seen that so yeah i would probably have to go with with bob but there's a lot of good i mean queen it's it's hard mm-hmm. it's hard to know that one down but I, i'd go with bob marley what that's about a feel-good answer cole i like it yeah. <laughs> his message his message reigns true man right? yeah positive vibes right cool. very cool <laughs> bobby what about you and you can't say it back well, you, i already mentioned that. <laughs> i know that that was gonna be one of them for sure i have the musical tastes of a 14 year old girl and so <laughs> Taylor Swift. I, just, <laughs> I just said this to uh, my wife like two days ago, I said, as soon as the pandemic is over and we can start going to concerts again, I want to go see Justin Bieber and the Jonas Brothers. Wow. Oh. And uh, so all of your historical great music uh, um, uh, requests are great. But, you know, when I need a, a little pick me up or if I just want to have a little jam session in the car, it's one of those two. So I, I never said that my musical tastes were good, but, uh, but it was one of those two for sure. I was going to say, did you end the podcast already? Or is this because you <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks guys a bunch. This is a ton of fun. We really appreciate it. Hope to have you on again in the future and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.